When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. If you're a firearms enthusiast like I am, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret, Bear Creek Arsenal. This is a veteran-owned and operated gun manufacturer, Bear Creek Arsenal, that is, based in Sanford, North Carolina. They make high-quality firearms at an incredible value. Learn more about Bear Creek Arsenal at bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. Use promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. One more time, bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck and promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Friday edition, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We are going to hopefully send all of you into the weekend filled with fire, vigor, brimstone, and happiness. That's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different uh, emotions to try to bring to, to task, but we will do that today. Uh, we appreciate all of you hanging out with us. A bunch of stuff to get into. Um, we've got Robert Menendez charged with felony bribery. We're going to lay out some of those details and make a connection between what Menendez's wife was alleged to have been doing alongside of what Hunter Biden was doing for the Biden crime family and talk about those aspects. John Fetterman tears up and cries uh, as he discusses the fact that he has difficulty processing information, speaking, auditory issues. That's kind of a big reason why he doesn't belong in the United States Senate. We will discuss also uh, the... Uh, the debates as we get ready for Wednesday debates and begin to discuss them. Gavin Newsom is going to be involved. He's going to be physically present. What in the world is going on here? It's just a weird sort of lurking aspect of this primary season. What is California's governor doing? All of that and more, but we begin with the news of Robert Menendez, who is the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate, charged yet again with felonies. Uh, he beat the prior felony charges, I believe, back in 2010, when a hung jury refused to convict him. Democrat senator from New Jersey. Here is Bill Hemmer, Dana Perino, announcing those charges. The U.S. attorney for the Southern District out of New York set to announce the unsealing of an indictment and the charging of U.S. Senator Robert Menendez, the senior senator from the state of New Jersey, and his wife, Nadine, 
with bribery offenses in connection with their corrupt relationship, they say, of three businessmen out of New Jersey. Six years ago, he had similar charges that were basically it resulted in a hung jury. Mm -hmm. So just charges were dismissed at that time in 2018. They said that the, that that's when this one case ended. But in the indictment today, they say this new corrupt relationship began around 2018. So that would have been the same year. The cockiness here, Buck. Mm-hmm. If you beat felony charges as a sitting United States senator and you nearly uh, narrowly avoided going to prison, most people would say, hey, maybe I dial it back. Here's a couple of the details. Uh, there are photos out there. He was evidently paid in bricks of gold, uh, which is, which That's is That's how crazy. I prefer to be paid, yes. just to be clear. If anyone, you know, is asking, anybody out there I like wants my to bribe you. Gold. Uh, and here I'm reading from the indictment. And again, these are allegations. Uh, over $480,000 in cash, much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing closets and a safe was discovered in the home along with $70,000 in a safe deposit box. Some of the envelopes contain the fingerprints and or DNA of uh, these individuals who are accused alongside as co-defendants of basically a large bribery scheme that involved providing favors in particular to Egypt. Buck, what is your reaction when you see these charges come out uh, on Menendez, who it should uh, be, uh, again, reinforced, is a sitting United States senator of the a member of the Democrat Party who says that he will not resign. He will stay in office. Your thoughts? The recklessness of continuing to do anything even vaguely shady as a senator who has been indicted, a Democrat senator, mind you, you know, so there's a special threshold here, right? This isn't, yeah. this isn't uh, a Ted Stevens situation for those who remember what happened there where they went after him for not, you know, reporting fully repairs done on his home or something. And they and, hid, and hid evidence. And hid, that's, hid, well, right, that's what I was going to say. They hid exculpatory evidence. They knew that he actually thought he wasn't doing anything wrong and they didn't care. And they tried to get him anyway. And then they lost it. Republicans lost a Senate seat. That Senate seat was then part of uh, what was necessary to get all of Obamacare through anyway. Um, Clay, it's, uh, it's quite a thing to watch because a Democrat is going to have a higher threshold of guilt. I'm sorry. I just think that that's true to get indicted in the first place. To come along with a second indictment is quite a uh, quite a show of brazenness here. And the fact that he, he's accused of giving, you know, he, here's what, what ends up happening in these cases. Because I follow the Bob McDonald case very closely. Not a lot of people yeah. did. But I, I found that fascinating. Um, and I ended up being right. Even a lot of conservatives, this is like over a decade ago, but there were people were arguing with me and I was saying, guys, yes, it's gross that his wife accepted a Rolex or something from someone kind of when he was the governor, but he didn't do anything. Right. He didn't promise anything and he didn't do anything. So yeah, should he probably not accept those gifts or at least list those gifts so it's public knowledge or whatever? Sure. But to go after him for honest services fraud, which they are going after Menendez for here, there has to be a fraud, right? It, it can't just be, because now you get into, and this is what Scalia said in the 9-0 slapdown. There's a 9-0 slapdown yep. of those charges. You know, if someone gives you a good restaurant at a table because you're the governor, is that, are you violating the law? I mean, you know, right. there has to be more than, so now in this case with Menendez, based on the allegations, unproven yet in court, and presumption of innocence, 
does still matter. I feel like we're often losing that these days in society. Um, but Clay, when they're giving you gold bricks and envelopes of money and you're passing along sensitive information to, you know, allegedly to the government of Egypt to help the government of Egypt with things they're not supposed to know. And when you're promising to do favors, if that is not corruption and bribery, nothing is corruption and bribery. So if these things are true, he's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And what I would also point out, I think, I think it is worth drawing an analogy here. The FBI and the Department of Justice raided Menendez's homes. They were able to find these envelopes of cash, these gold bars. They put together this incredible conspiracy case that they have now brought out. Again, these are allegations. I think it's worth asking, okay, why did none of this happen with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden? Right? Because effectively what it appears uh, Menendez was doing was using his wife as the locus to be receiving payment for his actions that's what the biden crime family did with hunter and if you go in and actually look at the under oath testimony that has been made so far the irs agents said that hunter biden was being tipped off and that they weren't allowed to actually conduct raids on his property to be able to uncover more evidence of his criminal culpability To my knowledge, Buck, there has never been any raid of any of Joe Biden's properties. Now, they went and searched after the classified documents were found. But this is, in Menendez, they basically are just crushing him for what appears to be very similar behavior between his wife and Hunter Biden's activities. I mean, can you imagine if the FBI did a full-on raid of a back-in-the-day of Hunter Biden's stuff? Oh, without, what they would have found. What they would have found would have been. I mean, Buck, remember, I mean, the only have... reason we know this stuff is because he actually just handed his laptop yes. over and then refused to pay for it when he was asked to pay for it. I mean, uh, like, the, the recklessness that he turned himself is, in. You know, at some at some point, um, you know, I, I, I like, uh, there's a Jordan Peterson thing that I've I, makes the rounds on the Internet where he says no one really gets away with anything, meaning, okay, maybe you get away with it in some context, but eventually... And, you know, Hunter's gone through his life protected because of who his dad is. And so he hasn't really had to exercise judgment and develop the skills of a person that uh, and, and, you know, deal with the consequences, which a big part of judgment yes. is consequence. Right. A big part right. of judgment is learning. You know, I touch that stove. I burn my hand. I'm not going to do that again. And I think Hunter Biden, in a sense, is is kind of a political brat. And, and you see that um, be in the way that this has all gone down. On the, on the Menendez thing, though, bring you back to that for a second. Uh, he had the hung jury before. Interestingly, he was tied to this guy, Melgin. Remember this? Who was a, a doctor, an eye doctor here in Florida. And he went away for, I think he got 17 years for Medicare fraud. And, uh, Trump at the very end commuted him, commuted his sentence. So he was going to serve 17 years and Donald Trump, you know, a Democrat, Supporting a Democrat there with Menendez, Trump came along and thought that that was too harsh or or whatever uh, and commuted it. But Melgan has been on the radar of the feds this whole time. So for me, this is kind of like, you know, maybe because I'm watching The Sopranos. You ever watch The Sopranos? Oh, I love it. it. It's a great show. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually in the midst of The Sopranos right now. To me, this is a little bit like if Tony Soprano finds out, when he finds out that the feds are on him, they try to, like, you know, bring the heat down or whatever. It's like Menendez found out the, I mean, they indicted him and he was like, yeah, business as usual. Let's go right back to the well on this one, which 
it feels like it's almost a compulsion at that point. Like it, it something is wrong with this guy. Do you know what I mean? You're, yeah, the, you're or, the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You're a high-profile guy. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's probably just a belief that the rules don't apply to him. That's because right. if you already beat the charges once, you think that you have the power, the cachet, the the the, the panache to be able to continue this behavior. But again, this, this kind of comes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just one. I don't want to interrupt your train of thought. Just one thing I'm already thinking about is his best maneuvering right now. Instead of yeah, there'll be legal maneuvering, but his best defense is going to be um, making sure that Joe Biden is prepared to to pardon him at the end. Like whatever political maneuvering he can do is going to be to make sure that he's lined up for a part. What does he have on Joe? You know, this is where that stuff, this is where the old Potomac two-step makes a big difference. I also, when I saw these charges, Buck, couldn't help but think New Jersey almost elected a Republican governor. What did it come down to? Like 20,000 votes or something like that? Shockingly close, yeah. Yeah, in 2021 would have been a huge upset. Um, And... They would never have brought these charges on Menendez if there were a Republican governor. That was my, that was one of my first thoughts. Uh, so Menendez doesn't have the protection partly because if they have to replace him, they'll just throw another Democrat in. Um, and so, you know, in a 51-49 Senate, if there were a Republican governor, I don't think they would have ever charged him because then the Republican governor could appoint a, a Republican and you're talking about control of the United States Senate truly being at an even tally where suddenly Kamala Harris has to continue to break the tie uh, on any kind of issues. Now, I don't think really the Senate's going to be able to pass anything over the next uh, year and a half uh, until we go through the 2024 election. But I do think this this raises the biggest issue. And I know we've talked about this some, but I think we need to keep hammering it home so much. Prosecutorial decision-making is everything when it comes to who gets charged and what they get charged for. And we don't talk enough about that, I think, as a collective media, because I think a lot of people don't really understand the process of investigations. But, Buck, you, me, and every person out there listening to us right now could be charged with a crime, even if you think you are the cleanest, uh, most honest living person on the planet. If the full might of the federal government decided to investigate every tax return you've ever filed, decided to look into every maneuver that you've ever made in your life, they would find something that you have done that is improper. So when you don't go after egregious wrongdoing like Hunter Biden and Buck, we we talked a little bit off the air about the quid pro quo. To me, when there's a WhatsApp message saying to a Chinese foreign entity, if you don't do, give me this money right now, then my dad and the entire Biden family will ensure that you regret it for every day. Basically, I'm paraphrasing the rest of your life. That's pretty close to a quid pro quo. And Burisma getting uh, the prosecutor fired that they didn't like is pretty close to a quid pro quo. The evidence against Joe Biden seems to me, having read the indictment of Menendez, every bit as consequential as the evidence against Menendez. Yeah. When you think about the millions of dollars, the payments, the fact that it was wired it very shadily through all I these mean, different okay. transactions. I, I, I mean, okay, hold on. We, we didn't, <laughs> I gotta back that up a little bit. We didn't find $400,000 in cash stashed in envelopes that's clearly not being declared, I might add. But uh, Hunter over. got millions of dollars in cash. We don't know how he got it all and didn't oh, no. declare it or pay it. The, the Hunter stuff, yeah, I'm talking about for Joe Biden. Oh, like, oh. It, 
Well, but the difference is because it's the wife, right? Like the wife is being connected directly. I'm saying Hunter was doing it. Maybe it was smarter because Jill Biden's not the fall girl uh, here. But Hunter was doing effectively what the wife of Menendez was doing, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's a shame, too, because Jill Biden's a doctor, so clearly she's, she knows better. That's a, she, she, a, a doctor would never engage in behavior. Never like make such mistakes. Um, by the way, speaking of mistakes, 50 percent decline in testosterone. Overall failure. I'm sure you saw Joe Biden can't even figure out how to get off the stage. Forgot to shake the hands of the Brazilian uh, uh, leader. This guy needs testosterone. He's a lot more than testosterone. But I don't know that we've ever had a White House with a lower amount of testosterone in it. We're down 50% compared to what your grandfather's, great-grandfather's had. Not good. Uh, if you want all-natural testosterone recovery, how about going to Chalk? C-H-O-Q is the website. 35% off for life if you use my name, Clay, as the code. You know what else pretty cool about this? Three months of using their all-natural supplements, your testosterone levels will increase by 20%. How much difference could that make, make in terms of the energy in your life? Why not go check it out? Join so many people who are making the decision to try to put their testosterone levels back at an apex level like it should have been. More energy, more vitality, more ability to get work done. Check it out today. C-H-O-Q. That's C-H-O-Q. Use my name, Clay, for 35% off subscriptions for life. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on prize picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less. Every time you play, you pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever, and it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance, so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match up to $100. Download the prize picks app. 
Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Second hour of Clay and Buck Kicks. Good now, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Um, just, just to be clear, the uh, hundreds of residents of Memphis, Texas, Clay, have been reaching out to let us know there is indeed a Memphis, Texas, although that caller was from Memphis, Tennessee. But um, I learned something new about about geography of the uh, the Lone Star State today. So there you go. Even as a New Yorker, do you feel like there are towns? Do you know every town in Nashville? I know most towns in New York, but I couldn't say that I know every town in New York State. I bet there are a few that would slip past me. I think I know most of the Nashville area, but... I mean, there are. No, a lot I mean, of statewide. I mean, the whole long state of Tennessee. Are there any towns that, that they could still oh, pass? Oh, there's 100% you? places that I wouldn't know exist. Yeah, me too. Um, sometimes, sometimes it even happens in our callers. They'll say they're from somewhere in New York. I'm like, where is that in New York? So learning is one of the fun things about this show. One thing the Democrats will not learn, and that is what we call a smooth transition, is what to do about crime and violence and how to improve the situation on, on America's streets. Um, Kamala Harris, who I want to remind everybody, because I think this has been kind of forgotten. I think this has been left by the wayside. Um, she was, at one point, the border czar. The border czar. Do you remember that, everybody? Kamala Harris, border czar. And then there was that whole, oh, we've been to the border. She said in the interview, to which I believe it was Lester Holt, the interviewer had to say, no, you haven't. So by, by been to the border, you mean actually not, not to the border. Um, Kamala did not do herself any favors in that period of time when she was the border czar, but now she is another czar of sorts, Clay. She has announced that she will oversee the first ever White House office of gun Violence prevention. Play two. I have some big news to share. We are announcing the creation of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. And we are doing this work in large part because of the activism, the organizing, the marching, the voting of all of you leaders, be it students, parents, teachers, community leaders who understand that. Living free from gun violence should be a right. 
So we're going to work on this together. We're going to continue to fight for reasonable gun safety laws and for the ability of all people to live their best lives free from fear, free from violence. Now that's on the delusional side of the equation as to what to do about this. Clay, a hat tip to you for for putting this on my radar, this Wall Street Journal opinion piece. Mayor Eric Johnson of Dallas, America's cities need Republicans, and I'm becoming one. While Dallas has thrived, elsewhere Democratic policies have exacerbated crime and homelessness. So here is a mayor who is saying that he is changing party affiliation because to be a Republican mayor in this day and age is to be one who cares about the safety, security, and the law and order of his city. To be a Democrat is to be on board for the destruction of those things. Well, it's crazy to have a policy on gun violence and not the number one policy on gun violence be if you use a gun violently, you should go to jail for the longest possible sentence imaginable. Right? I mean, it is laughably absurd to say that you care about gun violence and focus on the guns and not the people who are perpetrating the crimes with the guns. Because what Democrats would do is, and what they are doing all over the country, is allow people who engage in violent behavior with weapons to get back out on the street faster to be able to continue to engage in violent behavior with weapons. So Kamala Harris, I mean, every single time she speaks, it feels to me like she's talking to a room full of kindergartners in her speech patterns and the way that she just naturally communicates. But this would be the first question that, Anyone with a functional brain should ask, okay, you have this new gun violence, uh, what would you even call it? Like working group, whatever the focus, whatever, yeah. however you want to define it. How are you going to allow crimes of violence to go without significant punishment when they involve guns? And, and the answer is, I, they don't have one. And, and I give credit to, it's Eric Johnson, I think is his name, uh, in Dallas, who is basically saying, Democrat policies are broken. And the one thing, particularly as they pertain to cities, the one thing I will say that the Biden administration has done is it's removed the the Donald Trump argument. Because if you're living in New York City right now, or you're living in San Francisco, or you're living in Washington, D.C., or Chicago, these cities effectively do not have opposition parties. And when you do not have an opposition party, every decision that's being made is being made by a... Democrat-based policy decision-maker. And all of them are disastrous. I mean, is there anyone listening to us right now who lives in Chicago, who lives in San Francisco, who lives in New York City, who lives in Washington, D.C., Atlanta? I mean, cities all over the country where you say, hey, you know what, things are going really well here. Sometimes cities are somewhat protected by having red state governor or red state government. I'll give you an example. I'm here in Nashville. We have typically Democrat mayors. And by and large, they've been fairly moderate, although I don't know whether that's going to continue to be the case. But you have a red state that governs those places. So you have that interplay between red and blue, which at least provides some sort of opposition party aspect in these places. The places that are blue throughout, it seems to me, Buck, Chicago's in Illinois, entirely blue state. Uh, New York City, obviously, in New York, entirely blue state. D.C. is not a state, but the entire government is all run by uh, by Democrats. Same thing, San Francisco. Everything falls apart, and I wonder the cognitive dissonance that that predict that 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 presages that that creates is you have to acknowledge. Wait a minute, 
everything that I want to support is creating the disastrous situation that I find myself in. And I wonder how many people are slowly having sort of the red pill moment where they say maybe Democrat policies actually don't make sense. It's not that what Democrats do on crime and and their approach to crime is suboptimal. It's that it is the opposite of what would be helpful. And what would be helpful is to back and support law enforcement who are faithfully, you know, executing their role, um, to have prosecutors who will make the, you know, make the distinction between somebody who, yeah, people make mistakes. People should get a second chance. And then there are people that are carjacking, you know, mothers with their children in front of them in broad daylight and pistol whipping the mom. And, you know, you got to go to prison. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you've got to actually lock people up who are a menace, who are violent, who are unrepentant and who are a danger to society. And, you know, what, what you see in so many of these cities, and this is why the whole gun violence thing, all they, they use, they use the emotional issue. This is what Democrats do. They use the emotional issue of gun violence to push for firearms restrictions that will do nothing other than antagonize lawful Second Amendment, uh, you know, exercising uh, Americans. Like the whole point is, oh, we have to limit your AR magazine or, oh, we have to get rid of your, uh, your, your bump stock or whatever. And then you go into cities, Clay, and what do you see? All these Soros prosecutors declining in huge numbers. And this is particularly true in Philadelphia, where I think Krasner, the DA there, was declining at one point like 50% of repeat offenders who had an illegal handgun on them. Because they don't, they, you know, they think the demographics of who's being arrested with illegal handguns in Philly and other cities as well is uh, a social justice problem. Yeah. And so they won't actually prosecute. That's what happens. Well, they've convinced a lot of white Democrats that it's racist to try to put criminals behind bars because too often the criminals are black. And so this whole concept, and and I keep hammering it, but I think it's important, being concerned that you're too mean to criminals is a legacy of a low-crime environment. If you have super low crime, then you can say, okay, maybe we're putting too many people in jail. But what becomes a cycle is you let the people out of jail, crime goes back up, and people say, hey, why do we let the criminals out of jail in the first place? And and honestly, the Soros entire concept, I I don't even really understand it. It it feels like it's meant to destabilize and undermine society, honestly. Because, they're, you know, it's rooted, I guess, in some really pathological guilt complex um, and and maybe a, a white guilt complex. That's where Soros gets this from. But, I mean, to, to look at the numbers, Clay, a city like Washington, D.C., one you and I have both been residents yep. of and know well, in, in Washington, D.C., um, you have about 600,000 residents. Uh, I think close to half the city is black. I think that's right, 300,000. And you have a prison population. The D.C. prison at any point in time is about 1,200 people. Well, you could double the size of that prison population, right? You could have 2,000 people in prison and make the whole city a lot safer, including for the 300,000 African Americans who live in D.C. who are committing no crimes and just want to live their lives in safety like everybody else. But the Soros point of view is it's a problem because of the percentages of who is incarcerated in D.C. Because of the numbers. It's by the D.C. prison system is 90 to 93% African-American on any given day. And 
what it is, Buck, is white guilt becomes a tax on black lives. So if you want to talk about white supremacy, probably the single most destructive thing that white people are doing in America today is not protecting black people in inner cities because they've decided that it's racist. And meanwhile, you look at the data, Buck, what do many of black people want in inner city neighborhoods? More police. That's what they're begging for. So you have white people who want to get on social media and talk about how much of, uh, how much of, uh, you know, social justice warriors they are. And they end up creating situations that are worse than if they had done nothing at all. I mean, I grew up in Manhattan, so this is going to be unsurprising. I knew people who during the early stage of, of BLM lived in, uh, Almost entirely white suburbs of the country, you know, 90% yep. or, or, you know, place in the country where there's effectively zero diversity, almost no diversity at all in multi-million dollar homes who were on social media loudly advocating for the dissolution of police forces in Correct. places like Minneapolis. And I mean, that is the contemporary liberal today. When you actually go into black communities, whether it's in Baltimore or, or, you know, DC or New York or wherever, and you just walk around and you speak to them. People have done this. They say, no, we, we want more police. We want more security on the streets. We want more law and order because that's what everybody wants. Yes. And yet yeah. there's this disconnect, the Soros mindset, this disconnect. I mean, look at Minneapolis. Use it as an example where George Floyd died. Almost to a person, I bet, if you ask anybody who's living in inner city Minneapolis, is your life better or worse than it was before May of 2020 when Black Lives Matter took up arms and decided that we needed to fundamentally change the way that we police in America? By almost every statistical measure in Minneapolis, things are worse. They have half as many cops, I think, as the the current data. The murder rate has more than doubled than what it was before George Floyd. Crimes of violence have skyrocketed, and everything is worse. BLM, if you look at the data, the more active BLM is in a city, the more black people who die because they are advocating for policies that actually, uh, unbelievably, really, when you consider the name of the organization as Black Lives Matter, actually lead to the death of more black people. I mean, that you know, is if you, unambiguously true based on the data. If you told me, if I were the mayor of D.C. and you told me that, and, and I, I looked up those numbers the other day, that's why I know them. Like I said, the, the prison system on any given day is... It's like 97% male, which we always yeah. talk about. Oh, of course. Because, yeah, you know who does the violence? Guys. It's just reality. And We're the ones who do the violence. Nobody says police are sexist. No one, uh, that, that argument is never made. And, All men know, are being discriminated against. Nobody ever argues it. Um, but if you told me that you had to expand, uh, you know, the, the DC prison population by, I don't know, 30 or 40%. So let's say you take it from roughly a thousand to 1300 or 1400, but it would save. 50 lives and take, you know, a, you know, maybe a thousand felonies, serious felonies off the streets of DC for the next year. I think that's a reasonable calculation to make. It's a hundred percent. I think that's a reasonable calculation. The problem is Democrats do not. That's mass incarceration. That's systemic racism. And this is why these things don't get better. 800-282-2882. If you're in Dallas, by the way, you want to speak to us about the, uh, uh, situation. I don't want. We, we don't have a station in Dallas. One of the very few uh, parts of the country where we actually aren't on. But if you're in the Dallas area, listening, streaming, perhaps curious to know what you uh, think of your mayor switching to Republican. Start earning high yield returns in a low yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. 
You choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13, 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy bond assets. These bonds have been filed with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding up to 13% annual interest. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment guide today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more information. One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton. Welcome back in. Uh, final hour of the week. 14 hours up. 15th hour underway now. We appreciate all of you who have spent your time hanging out with us all week. We hope you're all going to have fabulous weekends, and we're going to try to have a fun hour here to send you into the weekend. Uh, and we'll be back, obviously, with you on Monday. But if you missed any of the show... Uh, or any shows this week, or maybe you're going to be out and about traveling. You just want to have the ability to listen to the show wherever you are. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton, and you can go subscribe to the podcast. I believe we're going to have nearly 20 million uh, downloads for the podcast in the month of September, which is a monster number, and that's a credit to all of you. We also love the 500 or so affiliates out there where many of you are listening all over the country, and we are joined now uh by Congressman Mark Green who represents the 7th district of uh the state of Tennessee in the House of Representatives. He's the chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security. He also is my congressman. Um I didn't even know exactly what district I was going to be in cuz they redistricted in the state of Tennessee uh and my neighborhood is actually one congressman or the other congressman's by street. So uh, thank you for all the work you're doing, Congressman. Thank you for uh, for repping me and my family. And before we even get into uh, uh, the work that you're doing here, I know you're in the House, but when you saw that the Senate changed their clothing rules to allow John Fetterman to preside in shorts and basically a T-shirt, what was your reaction? I, I think it's a joke, Clay. And, and first, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate being on the show. And, uh, I've got the best bosses in the world in the seventh district of Tennessee, you being one of them. Um, <clears throat> this, this whole thing is a joke. I mean, imagine if he were to go and, rep, uh, meet a foreign dignitary or I, it's so disrespectful. Um, I, 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 I can't really words, uh, it's, I'm speechless over it, but. It's just an accommodation for this guy. That's all it is. Um, and I, I honestly, we should be more concerned that he can't form a full sentence. But, um, you know, the clothing thing is is laughable. Congressman Green, it's Buck. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, I know you're chairman of the hey, Committee Buck. on Homeland Security, so you are very much in the loop and up to speed on what is going on at our southern border. Uh, as people see these numbers, and, and really I think, a lot of the videos, the photos, brings it home, just an endless stream, masses and masses of people coming across that border, 10,000 a day now, the kind of numbers that are near the all-time highs. What's going on? I mean, who who isn't getting across right now is what I always want to know. I mean, when you, you see the processing, you see what's going on. How is this not an open border? Oh, it is a 
complete open border. It's intentional from uh, Americus and Biden. This is what they want. They want to fundamentally change the nature of our country and uh, basically empower Democrats into perpetuity. That, that's their goal. Uh, and they're willing to accept, you know, rapists, criminals, human traffickers, drug traffickers uh, coming into the country and p- potentially, you know, I mean, 18,000 Chinese nationals, many in the age of the military with former associations with the military, just being released into the country. It's uh, it's insane. And uh, it has to be intentional. Congressman, I saw a study and I'm curious if this would comport with the numbers and the data that you've seen. We don't talk a lot about who's making money off of getting these individuals illegally into our country. Uh, and by the way, it's the Mexican cartels. I saw that they are going to make this year more money. I think the number was $13 billion, the estimate that I saw, uh, on illegal trafficking. This is not fentanyl. This is not drug-related. This is illegal human smuggling, getting illegals into this country. And to put that in context, that is more than the NFL is going to make this year. So smuggling people illegally into the country for the Mexican cartels is a better business than football. Does that comport with some of the numbers that you're seeing? And uh, I mean, is it important for everybody to understand what a big business this is for the cartels in terms of the profits they're making? Yeah, absolutely. I think people should understand that Biden's uh, open border, America's open border, is funneling and your number I think is accurate. The number I saw was 14 billion for humans and 13 billion for drugs. We had crossed the nexus this year where the humans actually make them more than the drugs. Isn't that but, wild um, to even think about that human insane. smuggling is more valuable now for them than drug dealing? Yeah, the price point, you know, you can re-smuggle an individual uh and then that individual comes across and and does crime for you on the other side to pay you back if it's not a cash deal. Um, you know, with the drug, it's a one-time thing. Uh, so that, that's, that's what they're thinking. So, Congressman, when the Biden administration says that they're on this, I mean, I've, I've seen, for example, um, recently they talk about the border and they, they bring up, uh, these refugee processing centers they're going to set up. I think they said in Colombia, Guatemala, and Costa Rica. So basically at, at different way stations or different points along the way up through, you know, from, from our South up through Mexico and into the United States are trying to stop people, they say. But as I'm looking at this, I'm just thinking to myself, why would any, first of all, you could always apply, get rejected and then just come across the border the way they have anyway. And for most people, yeah. why, why apply at a migrant processing center when you just walk in and say you're a migrant? You know what I mean? Like this, this to me is just, it's, unserious policy that they're pushing actually that what's going to happen is what they do with their cbp1 app at those processing centers they're just going to claim asylum and then those people have a ticket from guatemala or from panama to come into the u.s it, this isn't going to stop any it oh, oh wait so, so it's even worse Congress. it's worse than what i thought yeah. you're saying basically now yeah. they just get like a get into the country free card Exactly. This is just going to incentivize more migration. Uh, and interestingly enough, I had a conversation with the Guatemalan president about this. It, it compels Guatemala, if they cooperate, to violate Guatemala's immigration laws. So, I mean, we're not even being a good neighbor. Where does this all end? I mean, because I think you probably would agree, Congressman, that we are going to set all-time record highs. 
And correct me if I'm wrong and follow follow this logic. I mean, like Buck just said, I mean, when you're telling 500,000 we've been talking about during the course of the show, and you're telling 500,000 Venezuelans, hey, as long as you were here before July 31st, you can go get a job now. To me, that means millions of Venezuelans are going to start the the march if they haven't already north. They're never going to go back to Venezuela. They're going to be in this country forever. So where does this end? I mean, if we're at... You know, six million illegals so far. Why would there not be an all-time record of three or four million now? Because I think, Congressman, given the fact that we've got an election next November, what they're going to be saying is, if you want to come to America, you need to come now because we don't know who's going to win, and they may shut down the border, which is going to create even more chaos. A- am I wrong? No, you're not. You're absolutely right. This is this is the, uh, an incentive, right? So pe- they've incentivized people to come, and it's just like you know China looking at Taiwan. Uh, that the biggest risk is right now because Joe Biden's president of the United States, the biggest incentive to come into America from wherever you are in the world. And these people are coming from 160 different countries. It's not just Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, it's right now until next November. And uh, so there it, it is. There is some interesting movement, though, in the Democrat camp. Uh, in fact, my committee this week, we had a hearing and, um, one of the Democrats who was making the closing comments actually admitted that the drug cartels had control of the southern border, which is a huge movement of the needle. And you got Mayor Adams, of course, um, you know, demanding that Biden do something. Now, his solution is money sent to him, which is just more of an incentive. But at least them, uh, you know, saying this is a crisis is a huge help. And at some point, you know, Joe Biden's going to have to listen to these people um, or, or he won't be their nominee. So what happens then? I mean, Congressman, it, it seems like this issue, it couldn't be any more clear there's a massive problem at our border, right? That That is obvious to anybody who pays attention and cares to know about it. The Biden administration so far just seems to be wanting to process people. I mean, that the processing centers are setting up abroad is an even better example of it than I realized. Um, so are we just going to see... What, another two million in 2024 going into the country? Or do you think that the Biden White House is going to do something that actually stops the flow in a meaningful way, at least for the election year? Joe Biden's going to wear this around his neck for the election if he gets to be their nominee. Uh, and if he doesn't act, uh, I, the, he, he's not going to be president of the United States. Everywhere I go, this is the number one issue, and there are increasingly Democrats saying this is unsustainable. And so our our comment is just enforce the existing laws on the books. If you just enforce the existing laws on the books, that would stop 75% of it. Reinstate Trump's policies, that'll stop 90% of it. Pass H.R. 2, the bill we passed, and that will stop all of it. That, that bill's sitting in the Senate waiting on the Senate to do something. So uh, at a minimum, he could fire Mayorkas and then, you know, say, oh, I didn't realize this was bad, uh, this bad. And, oh, you know, we'll fix it. That's that's a course of action. Will he go that way? Yeah, I don't know. But um, I I certainly hope something happens. If he doesn't, we're going to we're going to hold Mayorkas accountable and, and try to get him out of out of that seat. Congressman, last question for you. Do you think Joe Biden is actually going to run as the nominee in 2024 based on what you see, based on what all of us see? I'm sure there's constant talk about it, both Democrats and Republicans in the House, sort of behind closed doors. What's going on here? You're a doctor. 
Uh, you've got a, a long background. You're not a doctor like Jill Biden's a doctor. You're an actual doctor. Uh, what do you think's going on here? Is he fit to be able to be president of the United States? He is clearly not fit. Um, the performance in Vietnam, you know, just recently the, at the UN, I mean, the, the guy is, it's an embarrassment to the country and his cognitive abilities. There, there is clearly some significant cognitive decline there. Um, most probably age related. And, uh, it, it I don't, you, your question though was, do I think he stays on the ticket? And, Talking to the Democrats, they're getting to the point where they think it's too late to pull him. Now, if that's the case, then I guess he stays on and they go to their convention and they have all these super delegates. So they could, I guess, pull him at the convention. But um, I I can't imagine that he stays. I, I, I just I don't know how they can justify that to the American people. But but if he can't stay, how does he go? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the yeah. question, right? This is what we're stuck on all the time, Congressman, because, I mean, I can see the argument for why he's got to go, but no one's been able to convince me of how they let that happen without disaster electorally for the Democrats. Well, if they put the right person in, I mean, they, they, there are harder people out there for us to run against than Biden. So, um, you know, it, it may be, you know, in their uh be an advantage to them to do that and have him step down now you know they could use the constitution they could ask him to step down they could replace uh harris first and then you know declare him uh incompetent i mean there's there's many different possibilities of how to do it you know the question is do they have the will all right congressman green appreciate you being with us sir thank you so much yeah thanks guys have a good day are you on a fixed income you will benefit from an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group offers high-yield corporate bonds with returns of 9 to 13% annual interest that pays out monthly. With 2,000-plus satisfied investors paid on time every time, Phoenix Capital Group is giving investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading this free investment guide, and you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment guide today, phxonair.com. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. The supply chain of smarts, sanity, and truth. Uninterrupted. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation and three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. 
Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have health lock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date health lock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost, the average size family saves almost $1,000 a year all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com buck. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I'm reading, Buck, you got a fan, Sheena. Buck, I've never met or heard anyone that hates name tags. I despise them and have for years. You, sir, are brilliant in this regard. I was not expecting that you would get anti-name tag fan mail, uh, but th- there there you go. Sheena, all in. Sheena's a, a brilliant astute observer of life and and manners and understands great talent when she hears it i mean th- think about this like we're, we're not adult i mean i understand name tags for four-year-olds like oh like you know you're bob i'm sarah like you know but you're an adult you walk up to somebody say hi my name is and you shake hands i don't need a little helper i don't need a little thing that says your name here you just tell me your name if I want to know your name. And by the way, I'm probably going to forget it because everyone forgets everyone else's name. So who cares? But that you would wear this sort of nerdy thing that says your name on it. It does remind me of the, uh, didn't they do in the office? Like they walked, they had, they had to do. <laughs> the office is the, I think it's the funniest. I like it's on my wife watches the office and Beverly Hills. It's crazy. Like they wrote different. Did they write like name yeah. tags with different nationalities? On yes. This? Uh, my wife watches The Office and Beverly Hills 90210 now. So, like, when I walk through the house, there's basically always either The Office or Beverly Hills 90210. 
And I hate to admit it, but I get sucked into these shows. Like I'm busy and I'm thinking, you know, I got to do this. I got to do that. 45 minutes later, an hour later, I'm sitting down on the couch watching either of those shows because they're almost irresistible. Um, wait, wait, wait. Can I ask Laura? I mean, I don't know if she's listening or not. She prefers 90210 to the OC because that's always a big, that's always a big fight. Well, I think, um, Laura's generation, because Laura yeah. is two years older than me, which would make her five years older than you, I think, right? So the OC, by the time the OC became popular, I think we were already married. So, uh, 90210 was her high school and uh, early into college, uh, jam, I think. So anyway, it's, I'm watching it. It's amazing. And I will say this on the name tag front, cause it just happened this week. We've been going, you, you, you one day, Buck, will be back in this. I'm sure your parents did it. We go and we walk around the school to meet, you basically go through your kid's day to meet all the teachers. So we had 7th grade, and then we had 10th grade. So we basically go through and meet all the teachers, and you wear name tags. And um, I wrote my name on it, and we're sitting around, we're walking around or whatever, I'm wearing the name tag, and my wife's like, you're supposed to write your son's name tag on the name tag too, not just yours. So she was like, you're so cocky, you just presume that all you need to do is write your own, but... <laughs> I never had even thought about that. Like, you're supposed to now write, to your point, Buck, not only my own name, I was evidently supposed to write my son's name as well so people would know who my kid was. I didn't even think about it. Like, I, this, this name tag business, maybe I'm anti-name tag too. I'm just telling you, the more you think about it, the more you'll realize, and especially whenever, whenever I've had to go to events or something, first of all, if I'm like the, you know, not to be that guy, if I'm the keynote speaker, I'm definitely not wearing a name tag, okay? Because you're supposed to know who I am if I'm yeah. giving the speech. And if you don't, you'll find out when I'm on the stage. I like the interaction of, hi, my name is, and meeting people. So I'm just telling you, people might think that I'm being a stickler here, but name tags, no no good. Get rid of them. You don't need them. Uh, uh, so speaking of not needing them, we teased this, and the story just came down while we were talking. So we played, was it yesterday or two days ago? Um, the Washington Post was investigating and maybe our New York team can give us a few more details here. But my understanding is basically there is a pizza festival in Brooklyn that is taking place tomorrow. And there are it's like a pizza taste test festival where they have all these different local pizza places in New York City, which is very well known for having great pizza. And there are all different types of pizza. And I bet a huge percentage of you out there uh, are monster pizza fans. And certainly if you live in New York City, when I was a kid, but going to New York City, one of the cool things to do was to go into the pizza shop and get a pizza, a slice of pizza, right? Like, and, and be able to experience that as a tourist. I bet a huge percentage of our listeners have done that at some point in time. And I know in Chicago, you're like, we like the deep dish and in Detroit area, they're talking, you know, Detroit's pizza. You know what it is? Detroit style pizza is square. I didn't know this until I started uh, dating my wife, uh, whose family is all from the Michigan and Detroit area. But it's really good, deep dish, kind of square pizza. There's all different sorts of pot types of pizza, and people can argue about them and everything else. The Washington Post buck did an entire piece on whether pizza shops should be associated with a guy who has had controversial past comments which are all intended to be jokes, right, that are sometimes considered to be too aggressive or unacceptable. And I read this entire piece. At two pe First of all, these are food reporters. I don't know why you have food reporters in the first place. I mean, if you want to go review, uh, go review restaurants or whatever, that's fine. 
Is it controversial for pizza places to engage in a pizza festival? I just, I, I, the idea of this entire premise is crazy. Um, and they, they say, here's, a, here's a guy who is, uh, who is uh, upset. Joe Rosenthal, a Minnesota based mathematician who has positioned himself as the conscience of the food and restaurant industries. Oh, he sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has chicks for days. Uh, Joe Rosenthal, no, the chicks just lose it when they find out that this guy's the conscience of the food and restaurant industry has been leading the charge against those involved with the pizza festival. He has posted regularly on his Instagram account with its 33,000 followers writing pizzerias, influencers, and trade publications are showing that Portnoy can continue his violent misogyny and campaigns of abuse, and they will continue to support him. He wants the public to know about past behaviors and pressure them to not participate. It's a pizza festival. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's a pizza festival. It's hard for me, Buck, to even conceptualize of a less controversial thing that could be going on than a pizza festival. It's hard for me to think of a thing that could have less of a political agenda than a pizza festival. And the Washington Post is covering this more aggressively than they are Hunter Biden's uh, illegal deal. I mean, what is going on you know, here? There's there's something that you're seeing more and more of it. Uh, it has existed for years, but it's become more uh, apparent and nastier. And it is those who work for some of the traditional corporate Democrat platforms. Um, and, and we know the big ones, right? New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. Uh, they have a, a real animosity for people that are on the outside and have built brands. I mean, look, look at the way even someone who's not right wing, but who is open to other ideas like Joe Rogan, yeah. who has built such massive influence in the digital space. And they go, they go after him in New York Times, Washington Post on the COVID stuff on a whole range of things. They say he's misogynist, he's sexist. Uh, th- there's a lot of envy and a lot of resentment in yeah. the media now. There are people that work at the New York Times that work at the Washington Post in particular and other similar papers who really think that someone like a, uh, a Portnoy is a danger to society because he has influence and he's not supposed to. The editorial board at the Washington Post is supposed to. So, there's, it's personal for them at some level when they're dealing with some of these media figures. Um, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you felt some oh, of this at sports from some of the, yeah, yeah. from the ESPN people, et cetera, you know, who are in that more, uh, establishment sports model mode. I don't even know what the, I only know ESPN. I'm sure there's other places and other, you know, uh, sports pages that people pay attention to. Um, but that, that's, I always think a, a part of this as well. And that's why you see, and then there's also just clay, the Marxist, politicize everything down to the last pizza crust. And and that's something else that they do here. I mean, this is like, I mean, O.J. Simpson, I'll just use him as an example. O.J. Simpson is not a very likable guy. He committed double murder. But if O.J. Simpson, like, was involved in salsa, or O.J. Simpson had, like, a chili tasting contest, right? Like, something that is completely not controversial. Uh, I mean, chili or salsa or whatever. It's crazy to me that you would build your entire free time, like these guys are, angry that there's a pizza festival going on, 
you want the pizza festival to not exist? I mean, right? Like, just just think. I always go to like the end result here. If this guy that the Washington Post is legitimizing by putting two reporters on this story and covering it and spending probably, not kidding, hundreds of hours on this several thousand word piece that they wrote about a pizza festival. What's the end result if this guy gets what he wants? There isn't a pizza festival. How is that beneficial? Like a pizza festival is something that people would enjoy and you can go and you can eat pizza and you can spend fun time. Like sometimes I think you need to go to the end result of what these people want and it is a less joyful existence, right? Like he's trying to shut down a pizza festival. If, if, if this were super political, like let's say this is a rally against illegal immigration or something, then I could see like, okay, I'm fired up about this. It's political. What this guy is trying to do is shut down something that people will enjoy right. and replace it with nothing. But as you know, whether it's pizza or sports now, the attitude of the left is everything is political. If you True. hold the wrong views... True. They will boycott your donut bakery. They yeah. don't care. If you are not part of the team, you are a target. If you oppose, you know, mandatory vaccination or masking, if you don't think that men can become women, if you think that we should have uh border security and immigration law should be enforced, you are de facto a target. You are not even collateral damage anymore. You are actually to be targeted if and when they have uh, you know, the bandwidth and the, the ability to do so. And that's why I brought up something even like, you know, could I get a fair trial in New York versus a trial in Florida? Uh, you, you see that the, the mentality now is intentionally to make everything so political that nothing can be apolitical and to force everyone to choose sides on everything. And it, and it becomes exhausting. I mean, I would love it if there were whole areas, um, where we weren't constantly being having politics shoved down our throats. Yeah. Sports obviously for you is the most, uh, most, oh, I've but, seen it happen everywhere. But me- yeah. But media, you know, movies and TV shows and everything. I-, I wish we could all just sort of take a moment, relax and say, there are things in life that we can all enjoy that aren't about who you're going to vote for. They reject that. The Washington yeah. Post rejects that. Dave Portnoy, who's not even a Republican, might, might I note, but he's just rogue enough from the regime line and he's enough of a, you know, enough of a, a maverick that he bothers them. And yeah. so they even want to make his pizza fest or whatever. One bite. What is it? One bite fest or something? Uh Yeah. We, not- I'll text him and see if we can get him on next week because I'm curious how this goes on. But I, I, I'm just like, just think about this sometimes. What's the end result of what these people want? It's a less joyful, fun society, right? Because what they're trying to do, I mean, imagine getting this worked up about trying to shut down a pizza festival. That's what they want, and that's what they're trying to do, and that's the end result of so much of this cancel culture. It's ending things that people like. I mean, you can go take the step to uh, Roseanne, right? The Roseanne show is pretty funny. Roseanne is a talented comedian, and the show about the Connors and everybody else, like people enjoyed that. But because Roseanne sends out a tweet, suddenly what she creates cannot be enjoyed by people like it was before. Uh, It's just... It's, it, I think you said it well. There is everything is political, but it also just strips the joy out of life. And I've seen it with sports, right? I can't even go watch a game without having to worry about who some of the quarterback votes for. I'll just say it's real quick. Cause I know we got to go to break, but I remember, and it was before he bought X. And I know, you know, Elon Musk for some people is a controversial, complicated. I mean, I think the guy is amazing. And, and, and overall, I, I think, uh, a hugely positive force. Um, but 
when he just said that wokeness is effectively taken as a license to be really vicious, just to be really mean to yeah. people and feel good about it. That was a brilliant insight because it is so true. And that was honestly the thing that Elon said that stuck with me more than anything else. That is perfectly distilled. Writing a book, not easy. It takes focus and a lot of research. I just went through it. Buck's in the middle of it right now. Our friend Dutch Mendenhall also just authored a book this year titled Money Shackles. Dutch knows a thing or two about money, how to invest it. He's co-founder, CEO of Rad Diversified, a company helping thousands of Americans determine which alternative investment vehicles are right for them. And this term, money shackles, what does it mean? These shackles represent the financial hamstrings Americans have fought with for decades with a stigma attached. Go to school, get in debt, buy a car, get in debt. He believes it's the wrong thoughts and the wrong teachings. In his book, he'll give you his strategies to use debt to your advantage and tap into lucrative alternative investment vehicles to redefine your American dream. Dutch is on a mission to be at the forefront of the greatest financial change in American history. Get ready for the redefined American dream with money shackles. Learn more at therad.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-D.com. Break free from your money shackles. Visit therad.com. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. These are our first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country or those who die in the line of duty or are severely injured, and our veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel the Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home, the foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel the to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young kids, severely injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams, offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, govx.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. It's easy and totally free. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. 